Matthew 25, verses 31 to 40, and I'm going to read from Eugene Peterson's version, the message version, and it says this. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne, and then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out. Much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting the sheep to his right and the goats to his left, And then the king will say to those on his right, Enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, What are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? And then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. It's a really powerful passage. Mother Teresa actually summed up this narrative beautifully. I found a quote from her and it said this. Every time you sacrifice something at great cost, every time you renounce something that appeals to you for the sake of the poor, you are feeding a hungry Christ. And that's that's the message of uh, title of my message tonight: feeding a hungry Christ. So, over the past few weeks, uh, if you've been here, we've essentially considered various parables, uh, various stories, mostly from Jesus' words in the Gospel of Matthew, on what the kingdom of heaven might be like, and We've kind of flipped some of those on their head. We've challenged concepts that um, God through Jesus is somehow this angry, petulant, vindictive king. And we've even suggested in some parables that Jesus is rather represented by the poor and represented by the oppressed and represented by the banished and the excluded. And so here in Matthew uh, 25, 31 to 40, we essentially find a similar theme. In fact, really what Jesus is stating very clearly that what we do to others, we do to him. It's kind of a profound statement. What we do to others, we do to him. It's, it's a concept that continues throughout the New Testament. It's a concept that continues uh, through to Saul's uh, Damascus Road encounter. Saul, who's later known as Paul, uh, was a Jewish zealot. He was a persecutor of Christians. And what happens is that he's confronted by a vision of Christ on the road to Damascus. And the question is posed to him by this vision, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, Saul could have retorted and taken that question quite literally and said, well, hey, I'm not persecuting you specifically. I'm just kind of destroying your followers. But that would have been a pretty lame response. Saul was clearly persecuting Christ by persecuting his followers. And and as I was reading this passage this week, I kind of wondered in our daily walk as Christians how often we miss the point that what we do to others, we do to Christ. How, How often do I fail to grasp that when we bless and serve the the community of faith that we are also honouring Christ? And, And even more so, How often do I fail to grasp that when we serve the poor and needy, bearers of the image of God, we are in fact serving Christ? And so, for me, the parable of the sheep and goats 
uh, is in part really about practicing justice here and now. Here and now today in what we would call the not yet fully present kingdom of God. And Jesus' command is really quite straightforward. It's why this passage is glossed over so often because he essentially identifies himself with the least of these. And, and the acts of either kindness or the acts of neglect uh, towards the least of these uh, are equated directly to acts directed at God. And so, in other words, uh, solidarity with the poor, solidarity with the disenfranchised is, is commensurate with solidarity with God. And so, the more we open ourselves up to the disenfranchised, the more we experience communion with God. I think that's something that we can directly argue from this passage. And additionally, what we read from this in, in Jesus casting himself as the least of these, as the hungry, as the thirsty, um, as uh, the, the destitute, um, as the sick, as the prisoner, Jesus is really expressing his uh, compassion and his empathy and, and describing that he feels our pain as if it were his own. He's essentially saying we're linked, we're, we're interdependent, this is the body. And so in the act of oppressing or excluding the poor, it's essentially equivalent to oppressing and excluding Jesus. Similarly, the act of liberating and including the poor is equivalent to liberating and including Jesus. St. John of the Cross said, love is the measure by which we shall be judged. And so we are called to love the poor, the marginalized, the excluded, the least of these. We're called to love each other. And even greater and more challenging than that, we're called to love our enemies. And so in this parable, which is essentially describing uh, a narrative around Judgment Day, the sheep and the goats are separated. And so on Judgment Day, my reading of this is that if I have not loved and if I have not reached out to those with whom Jesus has identified himself, how can I possibly imagine that I will want to be for all of eternity in the company of those whom I kind of avoided every other day of my life? It's a challenging question. It's a challenging question. But I think we also miss the point if we really just reduce this parable to being solely about judgment. Because as I mentioned, this parable is really also about today. This, this, this parable is very much about communion and encounter. And so if I cannot find the face of Jesus in the face of those who are my enemies, if I, if I cannot find the face of Jesus in the undesirable, if I cannot find him in those who have what I would deem to be wrong ideas, if I cannot find him in the poor and in the defeated, how can I find him in communion? How can I find him in the wine and the bread or in what we label worship or in the resurrection? Professor of Theology Frederick Herzog argues essentially that if we overlook the poor, we will not encounter God. And so both the sheep and the goats are really equally quite bewildered by the words of Jesus. When? When, they ask. When, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you a stranger or, or naked or sick or imprisoned? And, and I think this is a really kind of profound question. For me... It's really an insight into how frequently I might fail to recognize encounters with God. 
we, we so frequently chase God in miracles and we so frequently chase God in, in worship music or, or altar calls. But I wonder, even just this week, how many times I failed to recognize an encounter with Jesus. Did, did I fail to recognize him in the person I sat next to on the plane to and from Sydney this week? Did I fail to recognize him in the indigenous man that I passed on the street? Did I fail to recognize him in the woman who served my coffee? Did I fail to recognize him in uh, the former refugee who handed me a voting slip yesterday? Did I fail to recognize him in my kids or in my family? Jesus asks us to recognize him in the least. And, and I wonder how often I fail to do that. But there's good news. This is not just a, a, a moment of great conviction or condemnation at all. Because the good news in this passage is that even if we don't recognize Jesus, even if we aren't aware of him, even if we think that somehow we've denied him, we're actually still welcomed into the kingdom of God. Because Jesus' kingdom opens itself to us not because we deserve it, not because we belong to the right church or any church for that matter, not because we have remarkable intelligence, not because we're uh, somehow theologically astute, not because we've achieved success or recognition. The kingdom receives us, Jesus says, simply because we're willing to care. Simply because we care for the hungry and the thirsty and the homeless and the naked and the sick and the imprisoned. The kingdom receives us because we encounter and we respond to Jesus in other people, whether we actually know it or not. I think we often, we had this conversation a few weeks ago in a group that I was sitting in, but I think we often translate uh, serving God, uh, I put that in inverted commas, to so many other things than what Jesus describes in this parable. But he's crystal clear, what we do to others, we do to Christ. And more than that, when we feed the hungry and when we give the thirsty a drink, when we help the sick or imprisoned, when we help the overlooked and the ignored, what he's saying is that we encounter the living God. And so my hope and my prayer is that in my eyes and in my heart, that they would be opened to these encounters more and more, that I would increasingly see in people the living God. And my hope and my prayer is that we might be even more willing to serve Christ in the people around us. Amen. Amen.